after I took that time and I was able to be with my family, like really be involved, I realized that's all I want. I just want to be everything I can for them. This is The Maker's Moment, a weekly podcast where we hold space for creativity. We share our stories so that we can learn from each other and use our experiences to challenge our often limiting beliefs. My name is Lee Schultes, and I know that in every person there's an artist waiting to be rediscovered. We are here for makers in all of their moments. We know that it takes a healthy dose of community and a lot of play to get and stay creative. I can't think of a single better person to showcase around the Thanksgiving holiday than Gina. In this episode, Gina shares the ups and the downs of owning a small business and mothering two girls. She talks about the learning moments and her endless gratitude for being a mother who just happens to be a small business owner. We talk about seeing people as people, living a life of integrity, and Gina shows us that knowing your priorities are essential to living the life that you want to live. One thing that I really admire about Gina is how she doesn't let things get her down. She's a solutions-oriented person. She's a talented problem solver, and she is extremely adaptable. She knows what she wants. She has a laser focus. You'll hear, I want this, about three or four times in this segment, and you'll see that she focuses on what she needed to do to get to what she wanted in her personal life, in parenting, and in clay. So the job I was at shut down in March, and I got let go. And then my sister passed away. So that year was like, like a soul crushing year. It was very uncertain on top of everything else. One thing that I love more than anything is spending time with my kids, my girls. Play-Doh, that's where it's at, right? We would sit there and play Play-Doh and we'd find things to do. And I actually started painting. That was the first thing. So I started painting and I started painting pictures for people for different things. And I was finding myself needing something more. Like I said, with not working, not knowing what the next step was, I just need something to fill my time. So I went to the craft store. Everything was order online, pick up. You know, actually I started ordering stuff from like directly from the Sculpey website. I ordered some things from them. There were some small businesses on Etsy that was selling like tools or depth guides and things like that. So I was buying from them. You got advanced equipment pretty quickly, um, like pretty early on. So I was following somebody, a, a very big maker on Instagram, and she still is a an incredible maker. She's very inspiring. And I was looking at some of the stuff that she had. So in my mind, I was like, that's the stuff. And then later I was just like, oh, I could have got some toothpicks and, you know, some like (laughs) bubble wrap and called it a day. I've learned that, you know, having all this great stuff doesn't make or take away from your art. You know, I use toothpicks all the time. But yeah, craft store, picked it up, came home. You know, I sat down and I started working and I was like, this is, this is fun. This is great. I was painting on it, which I love painting put it in the oven, took it out, and they all just snapped. Like, they all snapped, broke. I was like, what did I do? Or I would drill the holes in them and go to put the jewelry pieces in them, and it would just rip. What caused that? So I just didn't, like, research. I was just wanting something new. So I bought a brand of Sculpey called Sculpey 3. It's like the dreaded clay of earring makers. It's, it's like the most accessible one. When you go into Hobby Lobby, it's always the 3. It's got a lot of colors. It's really pretty. 
but it's not for earrings. So I was like, I bought all this clay and it's not, not good. I was like, okay, I'm not doing this anymore. So I sat there for a minute and then, you know, I do suffer with anxiety and seasonal depression. And then on top of losing my sister, that time I was just kind of just trying to make it day to day, make sure that they were good and that things were taken care of. Most of the time it was, was an autopilot. I was also taking antidepressants for the first time and in therapy. So That's it was huge. Oh, so much COVID. on top of everything else. So I found myself not having interest in doing, making, creating. Like it was just literally autopilot. So I sat with that for a long time. I finally jumped back into it. It was actually some African style pieces. Like I had laid out some green and red and yellow. It was getting close to June. So Juneteenth, like I was like, we celebrate Juneteenth. Like I teach my girls their culture. I mean, we take that seriously. It's not that they have like a different culture. Mm -hmm. It's just, um, we talk about the things with their race. You know, their dad is African-American. Talk about the people of history. Like they have little books that show the women leaders that were black. Who's your favorite one? So (laughs) let me think. The biggest one that we talk about more than anything is Rosa Parks because we really do teach them to not stand for a bully. You know, I teach them to see people as people, no matter what they're wearing, the color of their skin, their gender, none of that. A human being. See them as a human being and treat them with respect and kindness, no matter what. You know, they've had instances of a school, you know, they have been approached and been bullied and asked about their curly hair or why their skin's a little different. We just try to lead them with kindness but don't don't take any crap either you know (laughs) defend yourself and you know she picked rosa parks for a school project Mm -hmm. and it was a big deal and she was just like she stood up for herself and she didn't let anyone push her over and she had she hit the hard questions like why are white people mean so you know then i have to like be like okay because there's no how do i do this no i love them to death they are just don't lie to me. I nope. have a question. This is a big question. And you're like, it's Tuesday at 8 a.m. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's what they do. Waffles. Yeah. That's what they do. And I'm just like, well, it's not that, like, white people are bad. You know, it's just like there's bad in, in every race. Treat every people every like people. Yeah. It's like it's bad across the board. There's bad people. There's good people. You know, it's like it was just a time. And some will say, like, talking about that stuff is pointing it out. But I think it's very important for them to just know. I love that Asheville has their downtown Juneteenth celebration. I didn't even know, like, the market world existed. It was not even something I was thinking about. It was just an outlet to buy my time in an uncertainty. It's kind of like a book report. I go through that sometimes where if I'm lacking creativity, I'll be like, well, this holiday is coming up. I'll sign up for a themed market or Mm -hmm. something. It can help you get out of a rut. I think that's why I've been waiting for the fall. Like it's my favorite time. It's actually Hocus Pocus with the beauty boost was the very first market I signed up for. I don't even, I was scrolling through Instagram and like it popped up and I was like, Oh, this is cool. Like, what is this? I was going to sign up for uncommon. I don't know. And then I seen the beauty boost and I was like, well, this seems really awesome. Women led like meeting other women in the area. So Rachel I signed up for doing it. So many good things. Yeah. Rachel really impresses me. She's I did a or like a call with her earlier this year, 
And it was wonderful. It was like 35 minutes of her time or 40 minutes of her time she gave me. But she seems like she's really grassroots oriented and really hungry to grow and to help impact people, especially small makers. Shout out to Rachel. She has been like a beacon of light. Um, The Beauty Boost was like a great, it was a great thing that I found. And with that, it led me to meet all these incredible people. The Hocus Pocus was like unbelievable. I showed up and I had no idea what I was doing. You know, and everyone was coming in and just like, oh, hey, hi, hey, good to see you. And I'm just like, what am I doing here? <laughs> like, no one's going to want this. That's how I felt. And then Amy, Amy walked up to my table with Amy Offset with Clarity. Them. And she's like, oh, my gosh. Hey, girl, I see your stuff online. I follow you. Like, this is great. Like, it's nice to meet you right off the bat. And I was like, this is it. How long was it between that pair of the Juneteenth inspired earrings that you made and your first market. So what did that path look like? It took at least a year between that pair and the beauty boost for me to actually put myself out there. I worked on little things um, here and there, but it, I never thought about taking it anywhere further. Like I said, markets, I had no idea what that looked like. I was just thinking about my, like, where am I going to work at next? Like, what's next on the job line? I was in, you know, going to college to get an early childhood education degree. Like, I want to work with kids. In the pandemic, it was like daycare centers were shut down and Mm -hmm. you weren't getting a lot of hours. And I was like, I can't have any uncertainty with my kids. And so you said you were kind of in survival mode is what it sounds like. Mm -hmm. And so you were scrolling Instagram and you saw the beauty boost pop up. I had already started making fall inspired earrings. Like I was literally just making as a creative outlet. So I have like all these pieces from when I started just in a tote. They're bumpy and bent and all kinds, but they were the first things that I made. I wouldn't sell them, but I love to be like... Yeah, I love to be like, wow, okay. And then I remember selling my first pair. It was to a family friend. And she was like, oh my gosh, I like these. Could you make some blue ones? And I was like, yeah, sure. And I will I will say that she bought at least 10 pairs of <laughs> my awesome. earrings. And I was like, oh my gosh, I could do this. So I started actually researching, diving into it, techniques. I learned that polymer clay has been a thing for a long time. Blew up, I guess, in 2020, social media and, you know, online. But these people have been making videos on YouTube since like 2014 and beyond. The style changed a lot during COVID, which is interesting. There was there was an emergent style, though, of I don't know how to even describe it, but it it's different than polymer clay makers in the 90s, right, where everything almost looks like it. I don't know how to describe. I have no. I know what you mean. No, I know what you mean. Um, It definitely changed. I mean, one thing that I noticed was everyone was kind of going into this boho thing, which I love. Like, I love a good westerny snake cow print. Like, I love all of it. I've seen that so so much, and I was like, okay, how do you make something? You can only make a monstera leaf so many ways. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I'm online and I'm looking at some of these accounts that have like crazy amounts of followers and they're talking about their sales. And I'm like, whoa, like, you know, you can have sales. What's Etsy? I got to figure this out. I started following some of the bigger makers and they showed tutorials and like how they created things. And, you know, I learned about the right kind of clay and and how you need to condition it. Okay, I can do this. So I started making in the summer, June. So June of 2021. 
<laughs> you saw me trying to figure yeah, it out. Yeah, <laughs> June of 2021, I released a just beachy collection. I made like these coastal reef, Emerald Bay and Sapphire Cove. I had them all named and they were, in my eyes, like they were like the shit. Primo like they were big. it, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I put resin on them. I was like, what's resin? Like, let me mess with this. So I put resin on them and gold flake and did the whole thing. I was like, these are bomb. And I put them on there and I created my Etsy and I launched them and I started my Instagram page and I posted the reel for the first time and nothing, <laughs> <laughs> nothing happened. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, well, you know, it's going to take some time. So I just kept, I kept creating. There's I kept... nothing like a small business to teach you that build it and they will come is a lie. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just like, it, and it does, it gives you that, pers- like when you look at other people on social media and they're like 554,000 followers and they're getting sales and they got to quit their day job. And I'm like, I want that. Join Etsy. Put it on there. Gonna make money. Mm-hmm. I wish okay. I had a button to click where it was like crickets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like sound effects in the background. Yeah. That would be great. If you figure that out, Adam. I will. Adam. So how did you get from that to what was the next step? You seem to be someone who likes to solve problems. I feel like that's what I do as a mom, you know, problem solver. I'm always like, yeah, let me get it. When I realized that it was going to take me getting out in the area, I got told, like, it's Asheville. Like, it's the, the art district. Do it. You should do it. People was telling me about some of the local markets. But it was more flea market kind of style where you kind of, like, go and sell, like, your used things. I was like, well... I'm trying to find something. I think one of the first markets I've seen, besides the Beauty Boost, that was local, was Curses Cream? Curses. Ooh, I don't know. I've never heard of this one. <sighs> it was like, uh, the flyer was like brown and it was like spray painted. I don't, it was, it was a while back. It was like a while back ago. And it was one of the first ones. And I was like, what is this about? I, I, I can't remember who it was, but it was someone I followed local in the area that I've seen their stuff at a store and they were doing it and I was like oh okay I need to find stuff like this and I thought like I said I signed up for the beauty boost I seen that they were having a Halloween market that's right up my alley is like my favorite thing I was already creating fall inspired earrings because like perfect having them in the background I know makes it yeah he was like do we need to leave and I was like no I said I said one thing that's always been the forefront of my business is those girls. The name, the idea, the the creativity, the inspiration, like it all comes from them. I try to always be real with that situation. So having them run around and be like talking in the background. That's what this is. That's what's like a maker as a mom, <laughs> like a mom maker. Like it's a, it's a lot to juggle. I've never been the best person to have great female relationships with friends other women I've talked to say they feel the same way and it's all it was hard to find female friends and you know people that you really vibe with especially as an adult and I've only lived here for 10 years I love my friends that have children I love my friends that don't because most of the time they just become people in my children's life that babysitters I'm just kidding I'm just messing with (laughs) you Yeah. (laughs) Come watch the kids. No, I just want them to see. I didn't grow up seeing a lot of positive 
adult relationships. And I want them to see that that that's a possibility. Like that's a thing. Like hang out with friends and like have a bonfire and roast marshmallows. And here's the kids running around and having a good time. I want them to see that positivity. I, I grew up in a home that wasn't always together. I just want them to see the positive side of relationships, of friendships, of having that community, you know, that it takes a village thing. And I want them to know that they have these other people in their life. I love people that love my girls. Like when they see them at markets, you know, my girls are instantly like, where's Sam? Where's the matcha? They can't wait (laughs) to see her. And that makes my heart so happy to know that they like remember these people because they were so kind to them and That makes me happy. Yeah, they're forging connections. And they're part of your world. They are. In your creative world. Those are two things that I can't imagine many things would be much more precious than your art and your other creations, which are your little children running around. It, yep, this is... This is it. You mentioned you're taking a break right now from markets, or you have been taking a break. I know you have the beauty boost coming up. You said you've been taking a break. Tell me more about that. I spent all of last year market, market, market. Got to do this market. Got to sign up for this market. It was like a FOMO thing. Like, I want to get into these markets too. And I was just creating like crazy, trying to do these markets, plus working. Sometimes my kiddos would, you know, it's 6.30 in the morning. Plus, I got to get my kids ready for school. It's an all-day thing. And then to spend the weekend doing markets. And then they have sports. You know, they have soccer on every Saturday. I got to do these markets because I got to put as, myself out there. I love as you talk, I see pictures of your family all around. So I'm like looking at them. And you're like, they play soccer. I'm like, yeah, they look like they could run. Oh, yeah. They are. <laughs> they're, they're the lights of my entire life. Uh, I couldn't imagine not having them they're awesome they're funny they've got a smart mouth they'll call you on your crap and you just okay all right Uh, my (laughs) oldest one is very witty she picks up on things that's why we have like a open honest thing we've always been open honest um we don't try to hide things oh well the hamster died like, let's just let's just be honest, because that's a part of life. I didn't get help with controlling emotions growing up. Um, it was like, you're dramatic or, you know, you're a little too over emotional. And I want to help them with their emotions. And I think lying about things doesn't help the situation. Or sugarcoating or masking. Yeah, because yeah. it does happen. And it's sad that it happens. But I think it, if you feel the feeling and you understand that feeling, then you're able to process it better as you get older. How do you practice that? It's been a roller coaster. One of my old bosses, I actually had a conversation with him. He's the one that was like, just be honest. Just always be honest. And his kids were older at the time. He was telling me about some of the values that him and his wife practiced and some of the stuff they did. And one of the things was, is don't lie about things trying to be honest with them about it and I think is what built the trust with him and his kids I want that I want them to feel like they can talk to me they can trust me they can talk to me about things so if I'm being honest and even if it's not what they want to hear and it does hurt at least I'm being honest I feel like you live that out in your business as well and I've seen this happen I think it's really admirable it's to where I stopped Making up excuses. First of all, we don't owe anyone an excuse if we're not going to show up to a market. But at the same time, you've always been like, you know, I just want to be with my family today. 
And it is what it is. And so you're someone who you've had very clear boundaries, your personal life and with your maker for money life. (laughs) It is a balance because I got diagnosed with PCOS at a young age and it was like, you might not have children. Um, And that was pretty much it. It was just like cut dry, like boom. Oh, wow. That sucks. I've always wanted to be a mom. I remember writing in my journal about my kid's name. Savannah was going to be Savannah after Savannah, Georgia, because I was born in Georgia. Okay. (laughs) But, you know, that was a devastating blow. I was 20. But at the time, it's like I wasn't thinking about having kids. It was I was more on the journey of my health and trying to figure out what was causing things. And that's what I got. So I lost a lot of weight. You know, I went from like 230 down to 167. I moved to Asheville. I started working at a local restaurant as a waitress, which was fun. Yeah, and your I, eyes light up when you yeah, talk about it. Yeah, because it was fun. I feel like uh, working the the server life is is fun. And it prepares you for things. Like when you talk about <sighs> yeah. COVID, you're like, I'm looking for the next gig. I'm trying to figure it out. That's what led me to my first market was mm-hmm. just scrolling. I've always enjoyed that lifestyle of, well, rent's due next week. I guess we'll figure it out. <laughs> That's what we did. You know, he was a server at the same restaurant. That's how we met. Then we had our oldest daughter. We had Kyrie in 2004. 14. We were like working opposite shifts and going to college and he was working two jobs and in school and we were just servers. He did delivery on the weekends for a local company and we just did the best that we could and yeah and we've just rolled with it this whole time meeting him and being like hey I got this diagnosis I might not have kids how do you how you feel about that at the time it wasn't even we were just friends It wasn't anything serious. And he was like, yeah, you know, that's not even a thing. So I was still working on my health journey, losing weight, feeling really good. I was getting up every morning and I was running Fletcher Park, diving into the local fitness because everyone was really health. Like there was bikes everywhere and everyone was running with their dogs. And I was like, this is awesome because I'm from a really small town that you don't do that stuff. (laughs) And that was when you just moved here, right? Yeah, because I didn't know anybody. My brother lived here. So I moved here to be closer to them. I had no idea like anything. So I started working at the restaurant. And then here we are. (laughs) But moving here was probably like the best thing. I've ever done. So I was working for a water testing company in a small town in West Virginia. At the time, it's when the coal mines were shutting down, business was slowing down. And my boss was just like, just get out while you can. <laughs> Southern West Virginia, that's just, that's what it is. I never would have Coal town. That's why my eyes got big as dinner mm-hmm. plate. I tested water from like coal mines and local. I pretty much did like chemistry, checked the alkalinity and the acidity, and I pulled aluminum and did all these testings. It was a dream job. I would go back to that job in a heartbeat. I've thought about that, like doing it here, because honestly, in my mind, I could sit down, pick it right back up, because that's how much I loved it. I hated leaving the job. That was the hardest thing, was leaving the job. And some of the girls I worked with still work there, and we'll chat, and I'll be like, I miss you all. And it was such a good time. I was young, and they were all a little older than me, so I was like the young one, like, that's always fun. Yeah, like sleeping in the car on break because I stayed up all night and partied, and they would be <laughs> yeah. all responsible moms. Do you need some water? And I'm like, I'm good. Um, so they really were mama bears. It was really nice to have them in that young 
time of my life. And that feeling of being cared for, I think everybody needs that. Yeah, my boss was literally second mom. It was great. Like She was an amazing woman. But she knew, you need to get out of here. You know, go figure it out. So I left and I moved to Asheville. And then six months later, my brother moved to Tennessee. So I was like, I need to find an apartment. Like, what do I do? Like, what do I do? So he actually helped me find a place. Like we weren't even dating. We were just friends. He helped me find my first apartment. And we had, I had like this little crappy Christmas tree that was like a tabletop Christmas oh, tree. Little ones. <laughs> yeah, I, I had no furniture. I had old patio furniture as my furniture. What did you sleep on? Uh, I actually, I had a bed. Okay. I did have a bed. <laughs> you know, I had some of the stuff. But I will say that I know, you know, sleeping in uh, my storage unit, um, in my car, bouncing from place to place. People will look at what the situation is now. Just like, gosh, you're so lucky. Like, must be nice. And I'm just like, I've went through a lot from a young age to now through trials and errors and failing losing apartments and and being completely broke and not living paycheck to paycheck you know i've lived on my own since i was since i graduated like i've instantly like got a place and i've done it ever since and it's really taught me a lot over the last 20 20 some years <laughs> it's crazy it seems like that comes out in your business too, when you talk about your how your starting journey and how you like to solve problems if i spent all day making something out of clay this has actually happened psa where you spend something you spend all day making this thing and then it shatters when you drill a hole in it i would be a wreck so it seems like that really set you up for being able to solve problems at the workbench I think so. I want to be able to do the thing. I want to be able to be good at it. I don't want it to get the best of me. So I just, I knew I was like, I got to keep doing this. I got to keep practicing. What do I need to do? That's why I dived into the research. And through the problems, through the trial and error, through the struggles of, do I need to sign up for this market? Is it worth it? Do I put myself out there? Do I not? And not only that, I'm a very hands-on mom. Do I have time for this? Is this something I actually have time for? I don't want to create a bunch of stuff that I'm not happy with that is going to break when you take it home just to make a buck. I take this really seriously. And if I make something and I don't feel like it's up to par, I'm like, eh. Here, here's somebody. Here's a Christmas present. Because they're still good, but I want it to be great. I want you to love them. I don't want them to break. I don't want them to fall apart so I'll wear my stuff I'll make it I'll wear it I'll bend it I'll do the bend test that's one of my favorite part that's why like the girls will come over and be like oh this is pretty and start like sticking their fingers on it and I'm <laughs> yeah. just like you can't mess it up like it's fine and if it gets a fingerprint on it I'll just roll it through and do it again and I've learned tricks over time to remove fingerprints for and, the girls <laughs> yeah for, well you know lint dog hair anything I'm just like, oh, let me clean this up real quick and get the hair off of it. Or I'll start a project and it'll sit, you know, you can come back to it for the most part. I don't like to let it sit too long. I was surprised to see it. It's really cool. I took a photo of it and we'll put it on Instagram. But I was surprised to see it out on the desk. So tell mm -hmm. me a little more about that. Is it because you condition it? Yep. Right there. I <laughs> So I started out with just a plain pasta machine, you know, just the cheap pasta machine. I finally went to like a uh, YouTube polymer clay for beginners. What do you need? What's the basics? I had a hard time working with the clay with just my hands, getting it conditioned and soft enough to work with, with just my hands. I can already tell I have 
like some wrist pain. You know, I've worked with my hands my whole life, no matter what I've done. Being a waitress or doing the water testing, it's been hands. That's scary to you, especially having kids and just being a maker. Do you take care of that? Do any preventative things? Maybe some massage? Or- Lots. Um, one of my favorite things is the hand massage. Like I'll be like, here, mm-hmm. hun, here's my hand. And he will like, you know, he hits pressure points. He does all the things. Nothing more than a, I love than a hand massage. Gosh, less than. <laughs> yeah. It's just like <laughs> rub my hands. Um, and then your wrist pops like 12 different times. It does, you know, and it doesn't always hurt. It hurts when it gets colder. So it's like a, maybe like a in the colder months, like it gets really bad. And it only happens so often. So it's not something I'm super nervous about. Mm-hmm. But I know that's when I need to take a, I need to take a break. So I'll be working and I'll get as much as I can. And once I start feeling the pain and it's normally just in the right, I'll just take a step back and massage it out and give it a break. Cause I I admire you for being able to listen to that. And I wonder how much your health issues from your early adulthood have played into that because learning to listen to your body is really tough. It's one of the toughest. And I'll be honest, I didn't always honor that I would push through. And that's just like in life in general. In the beginning of all of this, I was working a job I hated. It was valuable work and I loved what I was doing, but the environment was toxic. The people were toxic. It was a toxic workplace. And that that will suck your soul dry just from having that. Coming home, being exhausted and still trying to be a mom and still trying to figure it all out. I just pushed through. I constantly pushed through the pain, through the exhaustion, I wouldn't eat. I would run off coffee and whatever I could just snack on. I would work through lunch because I felt like I had to get the job done. And all of that made me just break down. 2019, I broke down. I had a massive breakdown. It takes like almost losing everything to be like, oh, I need to do this. So I started working on my mental health. I started working on my relationship. And I started looking at myself as a whole. I know everyone has their flaws. Uh, Everyone's perfect. I don't like to say that I have a mental illness per se, but I definitely know I suffer with an anxiety. I'll get overly anxious or I'll feel like I have to be defensive. And (laughs) so I've had to learn how to... it's relatable. It's... Mm -hmm. I always wondered, like how other women feel about certain things, especially when you do suffer with like the anxiety and the depression and maybe slightly anger issues, you know, let's just be honest. So I had a soul search to figure out myself and question what I was doing too. I took a step back and soul searched and then 2020 happened and everything shut down and it took me a while to realize like this was a blessing in disguise because I took the time to step back to spend time with my kids not just let's go do the thing it was actually like let's go do the thing and and have fun with it and be involved and not be drained you know like you see the commercials for antidepressants where the mom's just like looking out the window at her kid and the dad just having the best time like that was literally me mm-hmm. I'd be like looking right the window watching them play soccer and I'm just like <sighs> like I said a lot of soul searching I had to do you tend to block out the bad things and let them just sit And then as you get an adult, you have these things resurface that you have to confront. And 
that's not easy. That's not an easy thing to do. But I think after I took that time and I was able to be with my family, like really be involved, I realized that's all I want. I just want to be everything I can for them. Being on the antidepressants made me a zombie. It was not what I expected it to be. I thought it was going to make things better. All the bad, the sad. I feel all my feelings. I'm um, very... You don't lie. I don't. Right? Like, I'm very like, this is it. Um, I feel your pain. I'm just that person. I feel all the feels. My heart is on my sleeve. But it got to a point where it was like annoying. So I was like, let me seek some help. And maybe this will help, you know, your emotions. And I didn't realize that because in my mind, it was helping. But on the backside, it wasn't. It was making things worse. Yeah, it took about a year for me to get out of that slump. It was like a whole year of this. Did you create before that? Mm-mm. I mean, I've always been creative. That's one thing I will say, like from an early age, like my dad had like a little room at our house that he did clay work. Like I have a lot of his clay stuff. He did like really intricate, detailed pieces. He would like make Indian faces with headdresses and attach them to terracotta pots. And like he just he was always making or drawing, sketching something. He had an airbrush kit for a while. It seems like um, that inspired you as well. Yes. Yeah. And then, you know, his mom, my grandma, she had a floor flower shop and you know, she loved baking and like she did all the things. So it definitely just yeah, it just came. I always wanted to be a great drawer like my dad. I would sit there and try to sketch and then I'd be like oh <laughs> you know this isn't this isn't it and then those cars they say I saw a meme that says when the car you drew in kindergarten shows up to greet you in real life and it's like literally looks like that car but you know that stereotypical yes like, ugly wagon yeah oh yeah drawing the car is always like <laughs> it's I still draw them like that as I was like you know a five-year-old child so you were inspired and you practiced <laughs> it but it sounds mm-hmm. like I thought it was an interesting distinction you made when I said did you create before the breakdown Mm -hmm. and you immediately said no and then you said well I've always been creative I have that's interesting that distinction of of, I'm a creative person versus now I'm actually creating Mm -hmm. and I think it's incredible that it took you breaking down and realizing what you needed and giving yourself space to be able to call yourself a creator it did it took a breakdown to get a lot of things in my life in order relationship the mother I wanted, uh, the friend I wanted to be, all of that. It took the breakdown, like I just, the breakdown of 2019, you know, and then, you know, 2020 was just hard in general. Mm -hmm. Uh, 2021 was a little easier, but still very uncertain. You know, it took a while to get out of it. How prepared you were then at that point to go into 2020 and what is so impactful to me and like, I literally cannot stress it enough. It brings tears to my eyes is how much you knew what you wanted out of what you knew that you didn't want. So you just knew that you were having, I'm getting goosebumps as I say that, you were hitting block after block after block, and you said, I just want a family. And then by being present that way, you were also, maybe it was parallel, but you were also present for yourself. That's incredibly powerful. Yeah, it's incredibly <laughs> relatable. Yeah. And, um... No wonder you're so damn good at it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I put a lot of, like, my thing is, like, made with TLC and NC and AVL NC. And it's because it's, it's true. Key takeaways from this episode, part one with Gina. 
Number one, the fancy equipment is not going to make or break your art. Gina invested in equipment when she first started making, and she laughs that she still uses toothpicks and plastic wrap all the time. What's important is that you play, experiment, do your research, and learn all that you can. Number two, Small acts of kindness can have staggering results, and often life-changing ones. Amy with Offset Clarity, Rachel with the Beauty Boost, Sam with Matcha Nude, their simple kindness impacted Gina and her family's journey in a very big way. Number three, honesty matters when raising capable, socially and emotionally intelligent humans. If you shield and sugarcoat your children or yourself from life's experiences, then you're not going to be able to work through things independently and neither are your kids. Number four, hard times and lessons learned can set you up for later success in both living and in business. Keeping a solutions-oriented mindset and an attitude focused on problem solving will help you be even more adaptable. I hope that all of you have a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. I am grateful to each and every single one of you. A special thank you to all of the makers who have sat down in the beginning phases of this project. You've had faith and trust in me and this mission, and I cannot wait to see where the makers moment goes the rest of the year and in many years to come. Thank you.